Welcome to the Glass Lab podcast, where we talk all things product development. It's our goal every month to introduce you to the people, ideas, and development tools that are shaping the hardware products we all use every day. Hi, everybody. I'm Drew Westrick, your host and CTO here at Glassboard. And on today's episode, I have Emily Kruger, who is the president and CEO here at 16 Tech, where we're actually at. We shoot all of our episodes at 16 Tech. So this is super great to finally have you on the show and also here, as usual, uh, CEO at Glassboard, Grant Chapman. So fantastic to finally you know, get you on the podcast, uh, Emily, and uh, just super eager to talk about you know, 16 Tech. I think this has been uh, something that's been a long time coming. Uh, Grant and I for sure have been following it for a number of years. I know that there are people following it even before us. So really eager just to talk today about what is 16 Tech, um, you know, and to talk about your role here and kind of all the the great, amazing things that um, we know is planned for the future, but yeah. I don't know that everybody else necessarily knows. That's great. Well, I'm really excited to be with you this afternoon and we're thrilled to have Glassboard in machine and as part of the broader ecosystem that we're developing at 16 Tech. No, it's, it's awesome to be here, and it's so meta that we're you know filming this here, meeting with you. It's it's all all in one. That's right. Yeah, I'm having flashbacks, Graham, because I think the first time that I heard or met anyone from the Glassboard team was in 2018, shortly after I started at 16 Tech. And at that point, there was no place to meet in the district. We were meeting in a conference room in a building downtown. I say, what's this? Yeah, was it the downtown meeting or the one at Guggman House where it was like the the real unveil? With I, I think the, the first one was cabin. in the conference room um, oh, and then uh, later at Guggman. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. No. So we've been, again, all been working around this dream together for quite some time. And we've been really excited to see how we can get involved. And now that we are, it's it's awesome. Yeah. So I'd love to ask, you know, what brought you to 16 Tech before we jump into what it is? Sure. So what's, you know, what's your background and what, what got you to, to join this crazy adventure? Yeah. Well, in many respects, my career has been about making Indiana better. And I never started out with that as the aim. That's just one of those themes that when you look backwards, you kind of realize. And I started my career working on Capitol Hill for Senator Luger, uh, who was chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee at the time. And I started at the lowest rung of the ladder, which was a staff assistant, answering phones, giving tours of the Capitol building, uh, helping with correspondence, et cetera. But I spent five years um, with Luger's office before I went and I got my MBA, and it was just a really formative experience for me. I ended up um, being promoted very quickly as a press secretary. I was a deputy chief of staff. And in many respects, my experiences on the Hill kind of set me on a trajectory that I've been in subsequently where I was oftentimes the person who is given a direction and you know marshalling people and resources to achieve some type of outcome. So early in my career, that meant I was figuring out how to bring uh, Indy Racing League cars up to Capitol Hill um, when the Indy Racing League uh, switched to ethanol. Uh, later in my career with Luger, I helped open a community service center where for the first time we had a retail storefront and launched a whole bunch of community volunteer programs through it. And then I ended my tenure with a senator um, managing his last re-election campaign. And that's eventually what brought me back to Indianapolis in late 2010. Oh, awesome. awesome. That's great. I mean, I think what's really cool about him particularly is almost like, I call it like a gravity well of talent, right? Like I know so many talented people that started in and around, 
either his office or his campaign or now his like legacy. I know that he's got um, like a foundation of his own and there's some really great people working over there, but like, it's really cool whenever I hear somebody that's like connected to that. Cause it does seem like there's been a lot of people that have been in that ecosystem that are now leaders throughout like Indiana or yeah. hold like positions, you know, here in the local area and, and elsewhere. So it's always like cool to see, uh, you know, obviously like he was a I mean, served for a very long time here in Indiana. Like, I mean, that name is very uh, familiar here, but it's also cool to see how many people are sort of like continuing that legacy in terms of like the work that they're doing today. Yeah, it was a really formative experience for me. And there's a there's a Luger alumni, just as you find with many other elected officials sure. as well, um, from some of the great leaders that we've had you know here in the state. And for me, one of the impressions that um, you know, Luger really made on me is. Uh, I mean, he believed good ideas can come from anywhere. And he was known for his bipartisanship and his approach. But I saw him live that out on a daily basis. And that that really struck with me. It didn't matter what someone's uh, political um, ideology was or where they were coming from. He would sit and listen to them. And that's something that I've really carried with me and embraced. And then I also learned lots of personal lessons, you know, watching and observing someone of uh, working at his level with incredible integrity and discipline that I've brought forward in, in many respects in the ways I try and approach my work. No, that's cool. Yeah, I think creating what Grant and I call, and I'm sure others do, like a very like horizontal instead of a very vertical organization, I think it's, it's difficult to do. Like, I think it's actually much harder to build kind of a flat organization where you do take input from lots of different people, potentially uh, people that aren't at a level where they normally get to have that kind of like influence or input. But like, I think you and I would agree that like there's a ton of value in trying to do it that way because truly it's a game of ideas, not necessarily a game of influence or, um, you know, how long you've been working somewhere, right? Like, like things like that. It really comes down to, uh, like you said, a great idea really can come from anywhere and you don't have to be, uh, you know, in the organization for 15 years to finally rise to a level where your ideas get put into action. Yeah, you know, and actually that's a great segue because during my time on the Hill, I found myself being most attracted to people who are coming up to the Hill from the private sector uh, because they were coming up with ideas um, and they were ideas that would have, you know, large impact on society. And, and I was really intrigued by that. And so after about five years on the Hill, I looked around and I realized there wasn't a job that I wanted. I wasn't interested in being a lifelong Hill staffer. And so for me, that's what compelled me to go to business school. And so I spent um, two years at the Kellogg School of Management and got my MBA. I did the revolving door thing. I was back in DC for a little bit sure. afterwards, but eventually made my transition and um, worked for LDI, which is a, a privately owned company based here in Indianapolis, um, functions like a, a private equity firm. And for me, that was a great experience, kind of like MBA finishing school, because I got to help evaluate acquisition opportunities for the company and then work with the portfolio companies as well. And so during my tenure with LDI, I got to work with companies of different sizes, different industries, multiple leadership teams, et cetera, and um, really, really enjoyed that. And so for me, the opportunity to join 16 Tech was kind of the culmination of, of these things where it was an opportunity to return to um, a, an organization and a job that has community benefit. Uh, it was an opportunity to do something new and exciting. Um, 16 Tech 
Tech Community Corporation has been a startup as well. And so I was mm-hmm. the second full-time employee and, um, you know, we've gone through the, the, the startup journey on our own. And so for me, it was really compelling to, to do something that would have a tangible impact on our city. And, uh, you know, one of the other uh, little factors I'll, I'll share too is, you know, I grew up primarily in Pennsylvania. I was born in Indianapolis. Um, most of my friends are coastal. And so I've got a bit of a chip on my shoulder um, when it comes to <laughs> indie because I've had lots of people ask me over the years, you know, and question why I've made my career and my home here. And um, 16 Tech is actually a, a place for me to show in a, a much broader, wider way how Indiana is a great place to start a business, to raise your family, to make your career. And so that's something that fuels me in the work that we do as well. No, I, I definitely empathize with that. So I'm Indianapolis native, born and raised in Zionsville, went to Purdue, came back. Now I live downtown, work downtown. But my wife is Swiss. And every day she's like, why did I agree to move here from Switzerland? I'm like, it's awesome. It's great. And I have all these things to show her. And, and 16 Tech is one of those shining stars. Yeah. Um, so she's an entrepreneur herself and like the ecosystem here that I can you know get on the phone and talk to the guys at um, Developer Town that are have a small business in their field in her field that they're like partnering. And I was like, hey, let me introduce you with someone that like is doing what you're doing in a different space, so you can share ideas. And in like three days, I had a coffee meeting set up. That's great. And that is this whole narrative of Indianapolis is Hoosier friendly. Sure. Right. Like businesses aren't competitive here; they're cooperative. Right. And you know, there's been research that's done. The IEDC has done some great research recently that shows the value of that local connectedness, and it has a material impact on the startup journey. And we've got that in spades in Indianapolis, and that's also what we're creating here in 16 Tech as well. I feel like you're creating a magnifying glass on something that's already really good for for what we have here. Right. I've, it's I've got clients on the East Coast and the West Coast, and they're just more guarded, right, than all of my clients that are here that are looking to integrate with as many friendly faces as they can, mm-hmm. as early as they can. And I think in medium and large size businesses, it may be less important, but when you're a startup and when you're small, all you need are connections and help. It's going to be yeah. that person that makes that introduction for you, that solves that problem you had or fills the hire you're looking for, for, you know, the third or second person on the team. That's right. That changes the direction of a startup from success to failure or vice versa. Yeah. I mean, you know, we can talk about the spaces that we're developing at 16 Tech and we can talk about the programs, but a big part of what we're doing is creating the resources that are de-risking that entrepreneurial or that innovation journey and um, making them more visible, more accessible for people to access. Uh, my husband's a tech entrepreneur, and so you know, I kind of go home to our target market in many respects on a, on a nightly basis. And, and you know, that's, that's kind of the point of accountability bet- between the two of us is, what did you do to de-risk the entrepreneurial journey for someone today? And that really does inform how I approach my, my work at 16 Tech and what makes me excited about the community that we're building. No, that's awesome. I think for the for the viewers at home, let's run through what all of 16 Tech it is because yes. it is a whole lot more than just an idea. Yeah, that's um, it's right. It's really cool as it became a physical space that we're in and, and more stuff around us is coming up. So can you give us the elevator pitch on what all exists here and what is the, the higher level dream that we're attending? Sure. What is an innovation district? Because I, I know that you like to, like, that's yeah. the big word, right? right? But I think that it took me a while. It's like, what, is, what does innovation district mean? That's right. right. What does yeah. that mean to yeah. you? <laughs> Very good, Drew. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we can start there. And, you know, we have um, 
We like telling people about 16 Tech, but it's important to recognize that we're building something where there is a bit of a playbook. Uh, what we're doing is not unique. Um, it's new to our market and it's important, but it's also a proven model. And it takes different forms in different cities, but there's roughly 100 innovation districts around the world. And you can think about these as a backlash to the corporate office park, right? That's removed from an urban area, that's isolated. And so it, it, it encompasses the principles of what makes cities great, what attracts talent, placemaking, density, proximity, et cetera. And it combines companies of different sizes, of different industries, and, and brings together both academic researchers, industry researchers, startups, and corporations with this idea that when you create this mixing melding pot, that's actually where ideas spark and where innovation forms. And so that's ultimately what we're creating. And so it is a place that's meant to attract talent. It's meant to attract business. And um, you know, we want to make sure that not only are we creating the spaces uh, for um, you know, the type of work that's needed for the future, but we're also creating the programs and the ways for people to connect. So 16 Tech Community Corporation has a big mission. We're responsible for catalyzing the physical development of the district, and we could talk a lot about that as engineers uh, yourselves. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, and the, the reason being is because the site that we're developing, the 50 acres, is the former site of the city's water infrastructure, the historical mm -hmm. site. And so it's a very complicated site to develop, and that's effectively why it's remained undeveloped for so long. Mm -hmm. So we, we have the responsibility not just for catalyzing the physical development by uh, putting in the public infrastructure, by self-developing some amenities, and then also attracting additional development. Our other role is this programmatic connection. You know, what are we doing to make sure that people who locate in the district have there's a value to them that goes beyond space? How are we connecting people who are in our maker space to people who are working over at EMC Squared, who you know are part of the Connexus network? And how do we connect people who are working around shared issues or shared problems and, and plug them into the broader ecosystem as well? And so those are the two things that really drive our work is uh, the combination of a place-based initiative, but one where we're really connecting and uh, people together. Yeah, so I think let's dive right into the space and the place. So just to give everyone some insight, we bought our headquarters where we are now because 16 Tech was going in. We were originally looking at getting um, some space on the district, but you guys weren't going to be ready for us. We were getting kicked out of our last space. So we bought on the border, uh, but made sure you guys got some of the match funding for us doing that because we believe in the mission and that was so important to us and that's why we did locate where we did. Right, and we're um, glad to have you in the neighborhood and in the district. Yeah, no, yeah. so it's, I, we just joked that we're growing the district one block at a time. That's right. Um, and I think that, you know, for us, we, we bought into that idea and that dream of that connectedness because we are a hardware company and all of our teams work together every day on physical things and in the same space. And we wanted that experience in a broader sense in the city we worked and lived in and the partners we wanted to network with, both that could be clients, connectors, you know, all the things in the district. So for us, having the space so close was a huge benefit, you know, benefactor of why we wanted to be here. And I can tell you that I experience it every day, just that we'll start at AMP, the the um, artisan marketplace here where we go to lunch, I don't know, three or four days a week because it's, it's easy and it's close and there's so much choice. Oftentimes and, I'm there breakfast and dinner too. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> and it's so it's so useful not from the food perspective. You can run into someone that you've been meaning to ask two questions to that could have been an email, but it's way more personal to say, hey, and ask sure. the two things you want to ask. And you're guaranteed to hit that network here if you're here, which is amazing to me. 
Yeah, you know, there are some people who wonder why we opened a food hall so early. And but it it is really essential to what we're building here. And it, in many respects, it's a front door to the district. We have lots of residents from the neighborhoods around the district who come to the AMP. Um, lunch is awesome. It's a melting pot. We see people from our hospitals. We see police officers, construction workers, firefighters, people who are working in the district. The um, IDC is always there. Yes. Yeah. So it 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 really is a great place to come and experience sixteen. Tech and for the companies that you know choose to locate here as well, it's a huge amenity and advantage to be able to walk out your door and have those options for eating, and that's something that means a lot. It does, and I mean we've got a, you know a team of like fifteen people, and if I want to take five of them to lunch, five of us agree on where to go is never going to happen. Right. So we just go to AMP and everyone get their own thing and meet at a table, and we can still have that you know lunch meeting that's both friendly and also like productive because you're going to talk about the problems you're facing that yeah. day, and it it really allows and enables that frictionless transition into just going to lunch and getting back to work without having to travel across town or, or get out and go somewhere else. And that may only be 15 minutes at a time, but if that's every day on both directions, mm-hmm. that adds up for a business with five people in the car. Yeah. So it, that that calculus for me factored into us buying our building where it was and why AMP was going to be there. That's great. So just giving that feedback that like 10 out of 10 would do again, like that yeah, was a well, key glue that holds this all together. You know, early on in the 16 Tech um, story, people would ask us, where are my employees going to eat before we even had offices or spaces to build sure. them? So we took away that excuse um, yeah. and and we've, we've brought some great amenities. And one of the things that's really important to underscore about the AMP, and I share this because as a nonprofit, 16 Tech Community Corporation thinks really deeply about how we go about our work and making sure that as we bring spaces or open projects that they reflect in our mission. And the AMP is is an extension of that. Over 50% of the businesses that are there are new business concepts and 65% are female or minority owned and operated. Approximately seven have connections to the neighborhoods around 16 Tech. And so it's a really great um, way that we've expressed our mission, but also bringing a key amenity to the district that's going to serve the companies and tenants that are here. Yep, and not to bury the lead, but the food is really good for all those that haven't had it yet. It it's is, great. It is yeah. a great place to go. Yeah. So I think that's huge. And having the bar in the middle may have been, you know, the the ping pong table at the startup when people first thought about it, but you need that. That's right. You need the space. I was just at a happy hour where I ran into you last week again um, because you need to have those, those events that people and other companies can host at your location and bring them in when you, you know, they go somewhere else. They go to a brewer to host that happy hour somewhere else, but you can do that here on site. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's a big part of the reason why we put a stage in as well. mm -hmm. I mean, we're using a stage right now for, um, you know, we have some spoken word events and we have some live music and, uh, but we also envisioned the stage as a a place where maybe someone would want to make some product announcement or a launch and that it could be an amenity to the companies that were in the district as well. But you know, what, what you're describing grant this you know serendipity um, is a key piece of the overall value proposition for an innovation district where we started our conversation and our team spent time during covid thinking really deeply about not just how do we create the places where that will happen naturally but how do we start accelerating those connections? How do we engineer the serendipity in the same way that we've engineered the roads and utilities, the infrastructure to the district? And you know, that's something that we're still thinking uh, about and launching ways to connect people in the district from communication tools, programs, events. But even with those intentional efforts, the serendipity happens on a daily basis. And uh, whether it's at the bar or in line for coffee at Tinker, uh, you see it and it, it, it's it's really neat. No, and I, I, I joke about this. We always take, you know, 
guess we're showing to the amp. I'm like, oh, you, we're going to run into someone that I'm meaning to talk to, or they're going to run into me. I'm sorry. Like, haha, very funny. You're trying to sell me on, you know, moving to Indiana, moving to this place. And five minutes later, we're in the middle of my slice of pizza from Fresco or whatnot. And I get tapped on the shoulder and someone like Ben Reitzman from BIC is like, oh, hey, do you have five seconds to talk about XYZ? And my clients got to wait as yeah. that conversation because it's clockwork. Every single time you get that soft touch, that water cooler conversation that's natural that you don't get with the work from home, the Zoom call, the Slack message that you guys have engineered successfully, I think. That's right. I mean, you know, a big part of the conversation in the last couple of years has focused on how work has changed, how the office has changed. And those things are true and they're going to be evolving and they're always evolving, frankly. I mean, it's a pendulum that kind of swings back and forth in mm -hmm. terms of some of the trends. But what has not changed and what I think people overlook when they talk about the changes in the office is the need for physical places for talent to gather. That's still key. It's still really important. It affects some industries and some workplaces more than others, but it's still fundamental. It's really important for people who are early in their career, um, who are being exposed to new industries, mentorship, et cetera. And uh, it, you know, it, it, it's important too, whether it's for collaborating or certain types of works. And so when we think about 16 Tech, yes, we're building an innovation district, but really, you know, one of my aspirations for 16 Tech is that it is the place for people to come in Indianapolis. If you want to get connected to innovation, if you want to learn about entrepreneurship, 16 Tech's the front door for you. You come, you come, and that's where you can get plugged into the opportunities and you can get plugged into the various industry networks, et cetera. Right. And I think the, the next thing I want to talk about in the physical space is the co-working space you guys have here at 16 Tech, because that was a new idea when, when Drew and I started in the entrepreneurial game and yeah. we were the, you know, out of my mom's basement kind of a team. But we would have loved to have that lower barrier to entry space. We could go work out of every day and just be present in, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to be doing the same thing on our computers and design that we were in my own basement. But now I can do it in front of people that are much more connected than I am in the industry. And if I can ask two questions a, a week right. of, hey, what do you think about this idea that are also in the co-working space? That could have been huge for us. And I see that happening whenever I walk through the co-working space, the cross-pollination that your members have with each other, with the 16 Tech team, again, with Tamara, who's, who's now with us. And she's got us connected to all those people there, and they're asking questions. And it's this big, organic, friendly space that we didn't have access to. We had to, you know, kind of start on our own and break out into the world when we were ready. A lot of small companies talk about the concept of like fake it till you make it, right? Mm -hmm. And like in a way, I think co-working spaces like allow that, right? Like you have access to far superior conference rooms, uh, conference rooms and office spaces and- A mailing address. A real one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, coffee machines, right? That, right? that weren't, you know, again, you know, upstairs in the kitchen, right? Like I can assure you that trying to take vendor meetings uh, at a residential, uh, place, especially with people that are 20 and 30 years your senior, uh, convincing them to supply you with uh, you know, expensive uh, parts and equipment and things is very difficult to do, right? Like would have been much easier if we could have like gotten dressed up and, you know, driven down to 16 tech and had that yeah. meeting, you know, in a very nice conference room and, you know, jazz it up a little bit, right? Yeah. Because when you're first starting out, like you just, you don't have the capital like for any of that. Right. And I think it is kind of, I think it's important both externally, like how you present yourself and like how you're, uh, you know, how perceived. people perceive you. But I also think like it's an internal thing, right? Sure. Like it's a confidence game. And I think like working in a space with other professionals in an environment that makes you feel uh, like the work that you're doing is, is important. And it's, you know, it's in a nice space and not just, you know, at your desk in your bedroom, you know, dimly lit. I think all those things matter because again, a big part of those early days is like 
building up the amount of self-confidence that like the path that I'm on, the thing that I'm doing is like worth getting up and, and doing every single day, right? Yeah. I think it's important to note that that goes beyond the office space and the co-working space that we have at 16 Tech. I mean, that ultimately extends to machine where we're having, sure. you know, the podcast right now, which is our maker space and includes a variety of tools and resources for individuals or companies who are looking to prototype products. And, um, you know, the other resource that we have in the district as well is uh, shared wet labs for life sciences startups. And so it's it's not just about where you can meet, but it is about some of those tools that you need, the access to the resources early in an entrepreneurial journey and making those accessible to people here at 16 Tech. And uh, it, it, it's interesting because, you you mentioned how that would have been helpful to you when you started. One of the things that we're seeing is people are using the office, they're using our makerspace, they're using the the shared wet labs right now, much more like gym memberships, right? So again, it's this notion that yes, the way people has is uh, the way people are working has changed, but there are still some things that bring people together, resources that they need, and those are really great examples of the type of specialized spaces flexible and customized spaces that we want to continue to bring to 16 Tech. Yeah, and I had just got my first full tour of the wet labs last week or the week before, and it is incredible what they have available for rent on like a month-by-month -month basis. I mean, it is, if you were a startup that was in anywhere near the chemical or biological space, you couldn't do that at home. You no, maybe you could do actually that. you couldn't do it any place else in central Indiana yeah, either. It's really the only uh, yeah. shared wet labs that are available yeah. for life sciences. And, and one of the things that we're now thinking very deeply about in terms of our future development plans is, well, what happens when a company graduates from that space? Uh, it's not a formal accelerator program, but when they do need dedicated space or they need some office space, there's no place for them to go. And so that's another example of the type of resource, additional labs that we're pursuing and would like to bring to 16 Tech. No, and I think that that is the narrative. You just touched on the thing that an innovation district should strive to do is graduate people maybe out of it. Right. And I think that's the, the cool story. I know that the cream and concrete team that graduated out yes. of the machine now has a space right you know, down the street from all of us. And that we're so happy that they like successfully started in a small space, blew up and, you know, they were wall to wall in there for a long time. And now they have their own space. And that is that is the success story of 16 Tech and what it enables people to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our first success story really did come from our makerspace and uh, it was bittersweet for us. But that's exactly what we're trying to do is we're creating, especially in HQO, our innovation hub. I mean, this was meant to be um, a starting place for people on their journey, wherever that is. Now, whether they uh, end up buying a building nearby or maybe they take a larger office space in a future building in the district, that this was really intentionally meant to bring to the market um, what you might consider starter spaces, right? And what's what's interesting is that we were just frankly lucky that we brought this to the market, not only um, just really coming out of the pandemic. So inherent in these kind of starter spaces is flexibility, right? And we know that that's something that's really valued in the marketplace right now too. No, for sure. And I think that the the style and the breadth of space that you guys have is only mirrored by the style and the breadth of people you are bringing to the district that are the experts in the field, right? You know, I can go talk to Nick Sturgeons if I have an IT yeah. security question and he's, he's got it figured out. And I can go talk to the guys at BIC that are with the IDC about battery technology and innovation. And 
you're starting to breed this density of knowledge. EMC squared is another great example that's in the district where if you don't know someone already, all you have to do is ask someone in the right. district and they're going to point you to two people that can probably answer your question or connect you to the guys that can. Yeah. And what, what you're underscoring too is really some of the emerging R&D uh, cap capabilities uh, and strengths in the district as well. And so whether it's with the Indiana Biosciences Research Institute, whether it's EMC squared and some hard tech related yeah. companies, um, you're, you're, those are areas where we're building some depth of talent and, uh, and really an ecosystem right now that's pretty exciting. No, and I, I can't mirror that sentiment enough that it is very exciting. And the, the fact you can blend that with space, not only to start in, but to grow yeah. into is super cool. Yeah. You know, one of the other important parts of that ecosystem and something that it distinguishes 16 Tech from other innovation districts globally too, is the presence of six universities that we have here. So 16 Tech is also a place where universities can connect and collaborate with one another. Um, and that that's also important, especially as our university partners look to iterate on different models of education. Um, and it's also a place where they can connect with industry and then where their students can connect with industry early in their career as well. So we're really excited that we have multiple universities that have a presence here. And you know, we're also really excited by the recent announcement at IUPUI and the changes that are going to be happening in downtown Indianapolis. We've got a great relationship with IUPUI. Their, their team uses the makerspace quite a yep. bit and yes, has done do. some projects here. But we're really excited about what it's going to mean to have the additional investment from both universities and uh, what what opportunities that's going to open up as well. In many respects, 16 Tech was designed uh, and the land has been dedicated for the exact types of industry, academic partnerships that are really going to be possible with what's happening at IUPUI in the future. Right. No, and that that I think is such a narrative about what we are. This is, you know, where we're in is not just a private venture to, you know, to turn a profit. It's not just a public work of good. This whole district is a partnership, private, public, everyone's involved to make it what it is. And I think that's the reason it can spread the line between just being ruthlessly efficient and being like altruistically good, but still going to have the power behind it to grow and to continue to yeah. really ramp. Yeah. You know, that's, that's really important to mention. So we have a lot of support, um, from the public sector, the city of Indianapolis, the state of Indiana, and they've really been instrumental in helping, uh, fund the infrastructure for 16 tech as has the Lilly endowment. And then we have significant support from individuals and corporations, other local foundations, which are helping fund the operations of 16 tech community corporation. And you know, one of the things that um, really excited me, you know, going back to my why I joined 16 Tech, is that uh, we're a nonprofit. You know, our mission is ultimately to help advance. Uh, Indianapolis, right, to make Indianapolis a more competitive place. But we're also working to develop a sustainable business model ourselves. So the, the asset that we have is the land that we own. And by developing that land, hopefully we're creating a business model that will then be able to sustain the operations of 16 Tech Community Corporation. And so that's part of our own startup and entrepreneurial journey that we have. And the idea that that could be done within the context of a nonprofit was something that was really uh, in curious to me and, and something that motivated me as well. I think it's so important though. And I think to, a lot of times I think people can forget that component, like that sustainability where it's, you know, we have this idea, we want to do this good, you know, we want to take this money, we want to invest it, uh, you know, we want to achieve these public good goals. And again, I think like that's, that's totally noble and like people should continue to do that. But I also, have, like you were talking about, you have to figure out a way that 
how do you make that continue to have impact, not just one time, right? A lot of times, uh, you know, again, a, a city will get a grant, they'll spend the money and maybe that has impact for five years or 10 years or whatever, right? Until either the infrastructure wears out or, you know, it needs some form of reinvestment. But if you're able to take that money and not only do the thing that you set out to do, but set it on a path where it can sustain itself, it's got, you know, built-in economic mechanisms to make sure that 16 Tech isn't just here, for 10 or 15 years and then kind of like dwindles and dies, but really like can grow and sustain itself and, you know, be here for, you know, hopefully dec decades in the future. Right. Yeah. And again, I think there's, that's an important thing that I don't know if everybody takes that component maybe as seriously. And I know that that's a big component that you guys have talked about from the beginning is how do we do this, but do it in a way that isn't just, you know, this is a fad, this is a cool buzzword. We get some politicians elected and 10 years from now, you know, people are like, well, oh yeah, I remember 16 tech, like that thing that, you know, they tried that or whatever, yeah. right? And it was popular for a while. Like, I do think that's a really important component um, to, to, to highlight. Yeah. You know, and it, it's part of, um, you know, going back to the, the creation of 16 tech community corporation, this idea of an innovation district in Indianapolis has a lot of history I mean, 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it wasn't until the central Indiana corporate partnership incubated and formed 16 tech community corporation, that there was an organization dedicated to overseeing the creation of an innovation district and that organization had funding, right? right? Right. And so that was really a catalyst. And, and, you know, subsequently in these last five years, we've made tremendous progress on both the physical development and you know, also this programmatic piece that we've been talking about as well. And another part of the 16 tech model that was very intentionally designed from the beginning was the relationship that we have with the neighborhoods around the district. So we're located in the Riverside neighborhood, um, just off of Indiana Avenue in the near west, near northwest. And uh, the leases that we execute in the district, uh, 20 cents per square foot of that goes to a community investment fund. And then we make grants on an annual basis to uh, uh, projects that are benefiting the quality of life in the neighborhoods around 16 Tech. And so um, it's, it's part of what excites me and it's part of kind of the thoughtfulness and comprehensiveness of the overall mm -hmm. approach that we have right now. There's lots of development that's neat to see in the area too, right? I mean, they're, um, that whole you know, promenade coming in. Yeah, they're 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 developing you know bike paths now yeah. on on you know along Riverside there. They're you know uh, investing in the park infrastructure that already exists along there. Again, I mean, if you've ever driven up Riverside, I mean, there's fantastic um, you know spaces, green spaces that are all along there. That again, I think. Um, the, the plans are in place, you know, again, over the next 10 or 15 years, but like really excited to see uh, the investment just in the community as a whole, right? On the one end, like you've got the investments that are being made on the 16 tech side and the pedestrian bridge that you guys are working on with that, but then also seeing the city kick in funding to sort of uh, in the neighborhood uh, expand and continue to invest in the parks and the green spaces and things like yeah. that around the area. It all is just, I, I think is gonna culminate in this really great investment in the total community, right? From from start to, to end, right? From the economics and the job opportunities to the recreation and where you go when you're, you know, done with work at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And take the kids, uh, you know, to go play baseball on the baseball diamonds, right? 
Um, let's let's stick with that for just a second because the Riverside Promenade and what's happening in Riverside Park is truly special. I mean, it's a wonderful asset. It's one of the largest municipal parks in the country. And um, the, the promenade has just been designed beautifully in a way that uh, reflects the culture, history, and heritage of the neighborhoods around 16 Tech. It's been uh, an inspiration for us in terms of some of our placemaking and public spaces that we're designing. But it, admittedly, 16 Tech feels a little bit like it's on an island. Um, you might know this from some of your conversations, people still kind of wonder where it is. Mm -hmm. And that's going to fundamentally change in the next couple years. And uh, you know, the catalyst for that, Drew, which you mentioned, are one, the Riverside Promenade, but two, the extension of the Indianapolis Cultural Trail, which yep. is coming to the base of a bridge that 16 Tech is getting ready to construct. And so one can ride their bicycle from you know 38th Street New and, and start at Newfields and end up in Fountain Square or take the trails out to the B&O Canal. I, I ride from a 116th street down here yeah. frequently. I mean, and it's, it's surprising that most of that trip, almost the entirety of it is on, dedicated uh, on path. dedicated pathways, right? I mean, right. Monon to, uh, the towpath that runs along, um, you know, Butler's campus and Newfields down there. And it links up basically at Riverside where again, they're going to have a dedicated uh, path, uh, and, and that's going to extend into your uh, district here with, uh, with the cultural trail, like you said, like the, the linking of the, the public spaces, the development that 16 tech is making the development that the Riverside neighborhood is making in their parks. And then again, all of that development that's gone on at Newfields, like it all is, it's really going to be great. I mean, when it's all done, I mean, it's, it's going to link into just this massive amount of, of amenity that you can take advantage of for literally like miles. Right. And not just amenities, but the job opportunities that are yeah. here. I mean, oftentimes we, in, you know, community development and economic development, there's discussion around how there's a spatial mismatch between where jobs are located and where people live. Mm -hmm. And for the residents in the neighborhoods around 16 tech, you know, the investments that are being made in infrastructure, the investments that are being made here, and also the programs that are, we are developing to help ensure that people are aware of the opportunities and prepared for them are going to help address those types of, of mismatches. The other thing that I think is really cool, and I'm, I'm excited about it, um, when you talk about uh, the vision for 16 Tech, is so I mentioned that we're, we're kind of an island right now, but as this trail connectivity really comes together in these next couple of years, 16 Tech is going to be a place where you know, people are riding their bikes through on the weekend. And um, we're being very intentional about how we design some of our outdoor and public spaces because just as we want 16 Tech to be a place where talent knows to come, that front door that I talked about earlier, when someone visits 16 Tech, we want them to know right away that we're an innovation district. And we are looking for ways in the public spaces that we design to make sure that there's inspiration opportunities. We're thinking about our central green as like a living lab laboratory where we can demonstrate and, and showcase some of the innovation that's happening in the district. We've also been really intentional about the design of the 16 Tech Bridge, which I'm not an engineer. Uh, and I was really surprised going through the design process for the 16 Tech Bridge to realize how many bridges are built today where the, the structure and the architecture are not integrated. So I love the Monon Trail, but those bridges are effectively, <laughs> you know, the, the glued on the side of, yep. of, of a flat bridge, right? And so the bridge that we've designed for 16 Tech is one where the structure and the, the architecture are integrated. And it's a first of its kind engineering. And this is this is very subtle, but it's really important to us. I mean, hopefully someone's going to see that bridge and they might think, 
this is really cool. And by appreciating the structure of the bridge, it invites them to start thinking about how it might work. And so that's another example how we've just been very intentional in terms of the spaces that we're creating where we want these inspiration opportunities for people, um, you know, whether it's youth or, or someone else, but to be really thinking about the future, how things work, and 16 Tech being a place where all of that can happen. No, for sure. And I think the the other part of the dream for me that is the future, future plans that you guys have for 16 Tech is that mixed use that you're trying to blend in once the district is full of tech. Then you need to blend in more restaurants and maybe some residential nearby. And I think that for me, that live, work, play in an area that will build a whole neighborhood up is that end dream that I think is so cool that we're marching towards. Right. And 16 Tech's not meant to just be office space. Um, we, you know, we think about the the development that we're catalyzing and it, it is a mixed use plan. So we do have a residential project that will break ground here shortly. Um, we expect to bring additional amenities and retail to the district, uh, potentially additional residential as well. And overall, what we're trying to maintain is about a 60-40 split, 60% of the development in the district being what we consider innovation spaces. So sure. various types of office spaces, flexible office spaces, additional maker spaces and labs. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and I think the, the one thing that I think is cool, I was talking about, I forget who it was within 16 Tech about that, that mixed use building lease space, right? Where you can do offices in front and light manufacturing out back, right? And I think that's blending that into the job opportunities in the neighborhood. You don't sure. need to just be an innovator to get benefit out of where this is all going. And I think that's going to lift that entire neighborhood up. Um, and not just have job opportunities to support the innovation, but to be within it, even if you're not the innovator. I think that was such a cool narrative. Yeah. I I think it's also important to recognize that while this area was largely undeveloped, it's part of a legacy of innovation. And um, that that starts with Indiana Avenue and the stories of Madam C.J. Walker Mm -hmm. and Jazz. Uh, One of our AMP tenants, her grandfather was the first person to own a liquor store on Indiana Avenue. And as you get to understand the history of this area in particular, um, there were a lot of people uh, because of the the river and the creek. So it's kind of an undesirable area. Mm -hmm. Uh, in the the past with mosquitoes, et cetera. And so you had people, um, whether they were persons of color or whether they were uh, different uh, classes of immigrants that were really setting up their their place of business, their their lives on Indiana Avenue in this area. And so there is this history of innovation and entrepreneurship that we're building on. We're not just creating from the ground up here. And that's something that we look really intentionally about celebrating as well. I know they're doing that. Local NPR stations doing a big push on the C- Madam C.J. Walker story in the news this month. And it's funny that all these stories do all tie together. They do. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's cool to see the, you know, the Hoosier City growing and both coming from the history, moving it forward and, and doing what we can to, you know, not lose sight of where we came from, but push forward and make these really cool new things. That's right. Yeah. So no, I, I think the story is really cool. I mean, it's still unfolding and I think that's the best part about it, right? I, I really do think it has this feeling of like 16 Tech is just getting started, right? Like we're really still in the infancy of the of the entire like plan, right? So I think both Grant and I are excited uh, to, to see where it goes and honestly be be kind of hopefully a part of it all, um, you know, as it unfolds and continue to interact and, and benefit from all the great things and, and work that you're doing. So Well, we're, we're really excited as well. It's really just been within the last uh, 12 to 18 months that 16 Tech has gone from an aspirational place to an active one. And right. so we have three buildings. We've got over 60 companies 
companies. There's more than 500 people who are working in the district on a daily basis. And that's really just the starting point. And so we're, we're excited um, about what we're going to be able to continue to contribute to the ecosystem and what it's going to mean for Indianapolis. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Emily, for You're joining welcome. us today. And yeah, uh, hopefully we'll sit down and, uh, you know, do this again in the future. Yeah, and I'd love we can that. Maybe do like an, an update episode. Sure. So, that's yeah. right. But that's yeah, right. Well, definitely thanks very much. It. We're really excited. Thanks for um, believing in the 16 Tech Vision. So you were one of our early adapters and we're glad to have been a small part of the story of Glassboard. So thanks. Oh, awesome. Thank that's you. That's fantastic. Okay, everybody, great. we'll uh, we'll catch you in the next one. All right. Thanks.